Welcome to this episode of the Spirit of 76 podcast. I'm your host, James Nelson. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's first hear from our sponsors over at Anchor. I want to begin today's episode by asking everyone out there who's listening to this a rhetorical question. Why are we so unique? Why as a country are we so special? Why as a nation... Are we so different from virtually all others on earth? It is because we are founded differently. It is because we are based on an idea and a principle that believes that because God has created each and every one of us, we deserve dignity and respect and the preservation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness from our government. No other nation on earth has been set up on this pretense. This precept can be found in no other nation on earth on its founding. Nations who have long been marked on the pages of history Britain, France, Italy, Russia, any of those countries. They do not have the founding that we have. China, how many dynasties have they encountered? Russia, they used to have social they used to have communism. Britain can be traced back to the 13th century and have encountered Various revolutions and civil wars in France have had equally chaotic foundings and unstructured principles upon which they based their government. I said last episode that governments who do not clutch onto principles will eventually clutch the necks of the citizens of their country because as a country or a nation that is not founded on ideas, principles, or maxims of any kind, have nothing to stand on but powerful men. Powerful men who are flawed and who seek to insult the very soul of man by staying in power at any cost. This idea that we are unique has been universal in America. It has been understood by every American. It used to be taught in our schools and preached on Sunday and found in our films. It was not questioned by anyone, hardly anyone, because it's true. Because although the founders were flawed men, the principles they established and built this country on are ordained of God. And although we've had Republicans and Democrats, Whigs and Know-Nothings and Bull Moose and Federalists and Anti-Federalist parties, 
None of those parties have ever challenged this idea, this belief that America is special. It's not like any other country on earth. Every president, almost every president up to this point, has believed unequivocally in American exceptionalism. Besides a few, such as Woodrow Wilson and Ronald Reagan, not Ronald Reagan, Barack Obama. We have held on to these principles, and they've served, they served, us, served us well. It has made us the most prosperous, wealthy, and influential nation the world has ever seen. No other country on earth has the same prestige, influence that we have. There have been nations that have risen, such as Greece and Rome and Ottoman Empire and the Syrian Empire, all sorts of empires that have come across history that we read about. And why have they all fallen? They weren't conquered by marching legions by any means. Greece collapsed on itself. Rome collapsed on itself. And why did they collapse? It is because they abandoned their principles and their ideals and subverted them for political purposes or for comfortable momentary decisions that will serve a few here and there for the time being. But they have all collapsed. They've all fallen. Why then has America been so strong for so long? Why have we been so unique in the course of history? What is it that we have done? Why do we deserve that? I'll tell you now that it is because we clutch on to the principle of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We hold on to the principle that men are created by God. We hold on to the principle that men and women are capable of governing themselves without the influence of the federal government at every level. It is because we have held on to the idea that we are all children of God and that therefore we all deserve equal dignity and respect from the state. And although for the first 150 years, 180 years or so of our republic, we did not equally apply this idea to all Americans, even those who were suppressed by racial bigotry, systemic and individual, they understood still that America was a special place. And we have managed to correct course time and time again. Because those who actually understand history know that no state, no man, is going to be perfect. A utopia is not possible, nor should it be aimed at.
However, the way in which a country can pursue perfection and the way in which we pursue perfection is in itself perfect. But now, for some reason, we see a strong, a calculated attempt to subvert, to submit what has made us so strong and so special for all these many years of which we have been a sovereign country. We see attempts now to undermine our very constitution. Every Democratic candidate for president is unilaterally opposed to the Second Amendment and would repeal it today, erase it from the document itself, if they could. You've seen calls for jamming the Supreme Court with more justices so that they can expand the power of the executive and expand the influence of the federal government. Almost every single Democratic candidate for president and most Democrats in Congress and in the Senate are entirely in favor of abortion up until birth and sometimes even after birth. We have seen calls for the banishment of the Electoral College. We have seen Proposals, which are absolutely insane, such as the Green New Deal, Medicare for All, Open Borders, Free College. Now anybody with a working prefrontal cortex, anybody who can use their common sense, anybody who isn't in an insane asylum, will say that these ideas are batshit crazy. However, these ideas are gaining in popularity and in momentum. These ideas, which would be seen as crazy and undemocratic three years ago, are now the main platform for the Democratic Party today. Now why is that? Why have they become so popular? Why have these ideas become prominent in American political discussion? I believe it is because the media, which has pretend which has dropped the pretension of their bipartisan coverage of politics a long time ago, will protect them at any cost because those in the media who do cover politics, want these goals to be met, would like to see a top-down federal government that is all strong. Almost every single mainstream media outlet, such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, Bloomberg, Vice, Almost every network besides Fox News, basically, all hold the same political opinion and they want 
their ideas advanced. And because they are in the media, and because they hold no moral precept to truth, they will advance it, even if it means sacrificing their own character. And it is sad to see. There are countries who have been great, as I've referred to, who have risen to prominence all across history, throughout the long story of man. And those who have fallen, those great democracies that have fallen, have fallen due to internal decay. A cavity had taken root of their people. And now a cavity seems to be taking hold of a great portion of this country. And it is sad because in no other nation on earth has every man and woman been equally available to pursue their own happiness without interference from the federal government. No other nation on earth has combined theology and secular reason woven it together in such a way as to produce the most brilliant form of governance mankind has ever seen, hands down, no doubt. But this combined effort of which I have spoken of earlier, it is strong and it is growing day by day because it has taken root at some of the most important stages, at some of the most important outlets, really. I mean, if you look at it, the universities, the universities are 100% liberal. They only teach one way. Besides, Hillside College in Michigan, is there really any college that isn't conforming to this Marxist ideology. Twitter. Run by very liberal left-leaning people. YouTube, Google, Facebook, Instagram. They all have the same ideas and ideology. And they're beginning to crack down on ideas that are contrary to their view of the world. On YouTube. Just this week. Or last week. Steven Crowder. A conservative Republican YouTuber with three and a half million fo- three and a half million subscribers on YouTube was demonetized, not even for breaking YouTube's community guidelines, but because YouTube disagreed with his videos. Prager University videos have been banned multiple times on YouTube. Not even controversial. Videos, might I add. They banned a video about the Korean War. Facebook is cracking down on Candace Owens and has lists of people that they're going to crack on further. Google is changing its its computer, I don't even know, program, so that you only are beginning to see so-called expert outlets. And who are these expert outlets, do you think? 
It's not going to be Fox News, or The Daily Wire, or The Blaze, or any one of these outlets. Because they're going to support and promote, defend, prop up the New York Times, the Washington Post, and all those blasphemous newspapers. They're going to defend them because they fall in line with their ideology. And because the new ideology, which has taken root, is the belief that subjective feelings are now objective facts, and that if you do not agree with their beliefs, their views of the world, that you are a bigot and that you are a threat to their very existence. You see this especially at the universities. I mean, when Ben Shapiro goes to USC or UCLA, he has to get special protection from the police just so he can speak about ideas that are contrary to the views of the students. If you disagree with them at all, you are an outcast. And what is their goal? What do they seek to do? Those who participate in this subjective ideology, who ultimately want to ruin what has gotten us so far, what, what do they want to do? What is their vision of America? Well, their vision, quite openly, as they've stated many times, is to change the very fabric of this country. They want to bring about a new era of American democracy, wherein the people, you and I, free citizens, who are opposed to their ideology, can be seen as racist, and who are in the way of their motives. And they want to create a top-down federal government, which is all-powerful. They, and they do this sometimes not intentionally. Because what's tricky is that the more government tries to help, the more they try to serve people in a lot of ways, the more they interfere, the more power you give them. So, for example, with healthcare, well, Medicare for all sounds great, right? I mean, who wants to pay their health care bills, their health care insurance. Who wants to pay for all that? Wouldn't it be nice if the federal government could just step in and pay for it for me? That would be helping me out. But when they interfere, as we ask them to, they have to prevent certain things that we can do. With Bernie Sanders' health care bill for all, or health care for all bill, for example, you are no longer allowed to choose your own provider, and your provider is chosen for you. And the government gets to decide when you can go to the doctor, what surgeries you can have, what is covered, and what is not covered. So, when they, the more they try to help, the more they actually hurt. The more they try to step in and do what is right, the more, the more they muzzle freedom. 
And that's not what we're built, built on. We're not built on the government stepping in and solving problems that we can solve on our own. Because once the government is involved and controls health care, and once that fails, they'll try to control more and more and more and more and more. Until ultimately, they control almost any health beneficiary. Until they control your dental insurance and they control everything else. Because they're going to try and help you. And if you want a great example of this, just look in California. The most liberal state in America, with the seventh uh, most powerful economy in the world, can't even clean up its own streets, has the highest percentage of homelessness in America, and the highest level of living cost in America, the highest level of gas. And why is that? Why has such a great state of America, a great state in America, why has it become a trash can? Why in San Francisco are you more likely to run into some feces than some nice people? Why are you more likely to run over a or walk on a needle and encounter homelessness than in any other country in America? It is because they try to help their citizens too much and that they try to solve for their citizens what they can solve for themselves. It's a cruel irony. It really is because you wouldn't think it's like that. But through their own rhetoric and through their own actions, they have shown time and time again these liberal states such as New York and California and Washington and Oregon that the harder they try to help, the harder they try to intervene, the more it hurts everyone else. And it's counterintuitive, it really is. And it's painful to hear, but it's the truth. Because it's easy to teach. It's easy to grasp onto. If a, if a city has a thousand homelessness, homeless people, it's easy to just say, the city ought to take care of that. They ought to do something about that. Because at first glance, that's what they should do. But it works against itself. And there is a growing desire for the government to take over the control, to take over all the channels of influence that states and local communities have right now. Make, make no mistake about it. The democratic effort now, the modern-day Democratic Party, does not want you to have the ability to choose for yourself what, what health care you have. They don't want you to have low taxes. They want you and I to believe that America isn't a place to be proud of. And they want you and I to believe that they have the answer for everything. And they want you and I to believe that we are no longer capable of choosing for ourselves 
what we want to do, and we don't have the ability to pursue happiness in our own way, and that only the government, the federal government, is smart enough, strong enough, morally well enough to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And this is utterly out of line with the spirit of America. Because I come from a lineage of pioneers who crossed the plains. Some of my ancestors died on the way over to Utah and over to Idaho. And that pioneering spirit, that entrepreneurial spirit, which is alive in every single American, is never going to die out. And it's always going to be there. The entrepreneurial attitude of this country to create, innovate, design, to lead the world in innovation, which it has done for so many years, will never die out. And this democratic idea, this democratic idea of soft socialism, which will ultimately lead to socialism, make no mistake, this democratic idea that the government can only can can only create happiness and that through their the government's conniving intellectual abilities that they know more than us and that no longer is self-government viable because only the government the federal government that is can solve problems well, I highly disagree with that, and I think most people do, because I believe that most people can handle the problem, their own problems themselves, and that state, local communities can handle what goes on within their own state. And I'll give you a really good example of how this expert planning of the economy and expert handling of a country does not work. Every March is the March Madness Tournament. And every March, and leading up to this March Madness Tournament, experts who study college basketball more than anyone else, who watch more basketball than anyone else, who read more books and talk to more coaches than anyone else, they make predictions every single year based on their own expertise as to who is for sure going to win the national championship. And out of a field of 68 teams, they're 100% positive that they know the answer as to who is going to win on the day of the national championship. And why has never one expert ever crafted a perfect bracket? It's because there's too many variables. You don't know for sure what's going on with the team the internal struggle, what's going on with an individual player or a coach or an administration or a university. There's so many factors at play, you can't even add them up together. And think about that in contrast with the economy of a government. It's not possible. You know how many trillions and trillions and trillions of factors are involved in an economy? That's why the Soviet Union had so many famines. Even though it had more natural resources than we did, 
They couldn't even feed their own country. 25% of its population was dedicated to farming and agriculture and making enough bread to feed the families. But they experienced so many famines that they eventually had to create some sort of a private enterprise, even though that was contradictory to their own Marxist ideology. But it is a simple truth, based on experience and based on the principles upon which we are founded, that just because some poor fellow is not totally happy, it is not the fault of somebody else, that if he isn't successful, it's not because someone is obstructing his pursuit of happiness. And politicians bank on this, especially when it comes to race. So they'll say, that black people inhabit 50% of the jail population. I don't know how much the actual number is, but that's what they'll say. A very high number of black people inhabit the jails. And they'll say, but black people are only 13% of our entire population. So therefore, the whole justice system must be rigged against them. Because why are there so many disproportionately black people in jail? Now, I'm not saying I have a perfect answer to that, but what I'm saying is that they, these pandering politicians, they appeal to that and the disproportionate number of black people who are in jail. And they say, oh, well, it's the, it's the state, it's the systemic oppression that is in the way of you being a good citizen, which obviously isn't true. So, be aware, be cautious of this idea because these Democrats have never been so undemocratic. They want full control over all of our lives. They want to abandon the principles which got us here. They want you and I to believe that we are not capable of maintaining the ideas and the principles that are found in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution of the United States. And it's being popularized. It's being promoted on every single show and every single every single newspaper. And it's sad. It's tragic, really. Because we are a great nation. We are very powerful. And we are unique and we're special. Because we've placed so much hope in the individual pursuit of man. In the individual genius of man. That to abandon ship now, after it's gotten us so far, is absolutely insane. And I believe that all of us, those who are listening, those who care about America, have an orthodox duty to participate, to join in patriotic causes, which will prevent the loss of freedom and liberties. We cannot sit by and just allow this to happen. We cannot be a passenger on a plane that is headed towards destruction and just sit by and watch it crash. Because that's where we're headed. No longer can we just put faith in those who are in power and those who are in elected office. You and I have to take an increased effort 
and an increased devotion to understand the principles, the ideas, and the beliefs which have sustained us for so long because they are unique, they are special, and they are worth defending. So for those who are listening, I challenge each and every one of you to immerse yourself once more in the political in the political happenings to understand the principles of our creation and to understand what is being pursued right now by those in power, especially by those not unanimously in the Democratic Party, but mostly in the Democratic Party, are out of touch, are dangerous, are radical, and will subvert our freedoms and put us on a path towards destruction and will be the death knell of our great land, which has been for so long a shining city on a hill. God bless you, the listener, and God bless America. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Till next time, I'm your host, James Nelson. Thank you.